Hey everyone, it's Norm Ferrar, AKA The Beard Guy here, and welcome to another Lunch with Norm, the e-commerce and Amazon FBA podcast. In this episode, we're gonna be talking about scaling your Amazon business towards an exit. Uh, we're also gonna be touching on how should sellers plan their exit strategy? What are Amazon sellers good at compared to aggregators? And what can sellers do to become better operators? Anyways, Welcome to Lunch with Norm, the Amazon and e-commerce podcast. All right. Like I said, we're talking scaling your business toward an exit. Uh, our guest is a good friend of mine. Uh, he's also a self-taught Amazon business owner and sought-after speaker at Amazon seller events around the world. He is a consultant to some of the biggest names uh, in the online sales industry and a trusted advisor to global aggregator companies. Passionate about sharing his uh, value insights into an Amazon insights into Amazon selling, he founded Top Dog, a community where advanced sellers come together online, in person, and at live events. He has a new book, Ride the Amazon Wave, and I am talking about my buddy, returning guest, Tomar Rabinovich. Before I get to that, let's have a word from our sponsor. Have you got as far as you can using automated tools to manage your advertising? but know that there's so much more you could be doing. Maybe you don't know where to start or how to improve your Amazon advertising. Why not talk to Clear Ads, an Amazon certified partner with over five years of experience in moving beyond automation campaigns to sophisticated and proven advertising approaches that are far more effective for larger scale Amazon sellers. Clear Ads prides itself on being an extension of your business providing insights into how to achieve results and ensures that you are able to understand the approaches taken and how they work for your business. Talk to Clear Ads today and let them know you heard about them on the Lunch with Norm podcast and get a free audit and see how Clear Ads can work with you to build your business today. Okay, where is the boy blunder? Hello, hello. Good to see you. Happy Monday. What, what, what did Marsha call you? The Wizard of Whiskers or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I think that I think that was it. I, um, I like it. We'll, we'll Wizard of it Whiskers. Sticks. Yeah, it's yeah. still growing on me, I think. <laughs> <laughs> not the name, not the whiskers. Um, yeah, that doesn't happen. So, yeah. <laughs> After anyway. puberty. So uh what <laughs> how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, and it looks like we've got some Beer Nation joining us. Hi, it's Marsha. Good to see you, Marsha. Hope you had a great weekend as well. Uh, let us know, Beer Nation, where you're watching from. It's always great to see you in the comment sections. And um, if you're new to the podcast, this is a completely live podcast. So if you have questions, comments about scaling your business, you can let us know in the comment sections and we will be getting to those questions um, at the end of the show. So let us know. Say hi. And uh, good to see everyone. Don't forget to smash those like buttons. Give us a thumbs up on YouTube and Facebook. And if you're watching from YouTube, if you can hit that subscribe button down below, that'd be much appreciated. Uh, and if you're on Facebook, make sure you join our Facebook group, Lunch with Norm, Amazon FBA and e-commerce collective. Uh, that's where all the fun happens. That's where we do giveaways, discounts. You get to meet the Beard Nation community and just an all around great place to uh, connect with everyone. 
So uh, without further ado, I think that's it. It's good to see Urzom too. Good to see you. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. Okay. So let me see. Where do we even start? I know we've got a really special um, giveaway today, so that's great. Also, um, if you're tuning in, and Tomar is always a guy that has, he always drops a ton of knowledge. So if you do have friends that are in the Amazon game, family in the Amazon game, you might want to just ping them to, to get them to listen to this uh, podcast today because uh, I think you're going to be learning a ton. And also, I'm just going to say, get your questions ready, get them in because uh, they're going to be loaded up. Uh, every time he's on, there's a ton of questions. So let's get started. If you have questions or comments, throw them in the comment section. But now sit back. Relax, grab a cup of coffee, and welcome, Tomar. Hey, Norm. Very good to be here. How are you? How are you, sir? <laughs> yeah, I'm very good. Uh, got uh, three kids running around the house at the moment, so uh, hopefully there won't be any noise here. It's like 7 p.m. They go to bed at 8. It's uh, I'm in Israel, so uh, hopefully they'll, they'll stay quiet. So we'll probably see them run behind your chair and then your wife will be running after them. It'll be, yeah, the, it's the Brady Bunch. Uh, <laughs> and you know what? I remember you and your wife as single parents, just, you know, going through life. And <laughs> right. yeah. anyways, um, I have to say that your event, uh, Top Dog, uh, I still have the shirts the two top dog events I attended uh, is, is a great event. Uh, you know, we, we don't hear enough about it. Um, you don't promote it. Though. It's always sold out, right. but um, it is something that uh, uh, I would recommend if anybody uh, can go to one of the top dog events to do it. It's not always it, the first couple were in Israel, but now their last one was in Romania, wasn't it? Or Bulgaria. Bulgaria. Yeah. That yeah. was in Bulgaria um, in May. Ah, okay, very good. Anyways, just wanted to sh just you know shout out about the event. It's a high quality event. Lots of great speakers, and uh, you know you're. I know I picked up a lot of information when I went to it. So let's talk a little bit about scaling today. Um, you you've been doing a lot of different things lately. You just put put out your book, so very cool, sir. Um, and you've been working with a lot of aggregators. So right. let's start off like at the very beginning. If you're new to the business and you don't know what an aggregator is, what's the difference between an aggregator and a business broker? Yeah, so um, a business broker is basically someone who is an intermediate between the seller and the aggregators. He's basically uh, trying to... Uh, sign you as a seller, yep. get a small percentage of the equity of your business, and then help you sell it to one of the aggregators or like a, a different type of company that is related to your brand. Um, aggregators are basically companies that are buying a uh, few, maybe dozens of brands and manage them at scale. So the whole point is to work in verticals in the company. So you might have supply chain department, you might have PPC department, you might have like different departments and they run the whole thing across the company. And then they usually also have brand managers um, that where those are kind of like Amazon sellers, I guess, just trying to kind of oversee each brand individually. 
Um, so that's that's pretty much it. So the most familiar one, I guess, is uh, Thrasio, but there are like I think over seventy aggregators at this point. Yeah, there, there's there's a ton. Um, well, why don't we start talking about Amazon sellers and even where to start when you plan your uh, exit strategy? Because I know most people decide to plan their exit strategy when all of their receipts are in a shoebox and they have no clue on what to do. And then they have no clue about due diligence. You know, this is something, I don't know about you, but if I have a brand that I know is going to work or I'm going to try to build, I kind of start planning my exit strategy at the beginning. Yeah. So, I think that any business, right? Like 99% of businesses are going to either sell or they're going to collapse, right? That's probably the case. So you should build a business that is ready for an exit. Doesn't mean it doesn't matter if you want to exit it or not, but that's the right way to build any business. Right. So to have your book, books organized, have everything organized, obviously the important thing. What I will also say is even if you think about stuff like product selection, right? So let's say you find uh, the next fidget spinner or you find a product that is um, electronic and always has new innovations. That can be in the cell phone accessories niche. That can be even in clothing niche where it's like maybe it's for one season or whatever. So those type of products that will last for one season, one year, two, three years are not very attractive if you want to sell your business in two or three years um, because the buyers want the products to get more sales for the next like three to five years. Mm -hmm. So when we select products, we always think, try to think like, will it sell in five to eight years time? Now, obviously that's very difficult to do, but still we will just disqualify products that don't fit that criteria. Um, so that's like one thing I think a lot of sales are missing and are a lot of times chasing like shiny objects or like uh, trends on, I don't know, Pinterest or Amazon or whatever. And a lot of times it's a miss in the long run, even if it makes them some money in the short term. Very good. I just wanted to point out too, uh, if you're if you have questions uh, about aggregators or scaling or anything like that, uh, throw them into the comments section. Uh, Urzam, I see that you got a couple questions there, and no problem answering them. And if we have time at the end, uh, we will do that. We answer all the questions at the end, but we'll take the ones that are on topic first, and then uh, if I can't get to those, just to let you know. Uh, we will answer any questions that you have in the Facebook group as well. But uh, it'll be the first uh, questions uh, regarding uh, scaling, Amazon uh, aggregators, anything like you, you need to know, and then we'll get to these other questions. I just wanted to let you know so you didn't think we were ignoring you. Okay, last thing I wanted to do is ignore, you know, somebody. But, um, it, you know, there's so many things that it's not a mystery, but there's so many people when they get into business that they don't have a business degree or they've, they've been solopreneurs and they don't even consider that they're an entrepreneur going into Amazon. It's a side hustle that might've, you know, all of a sudden now it's taking up more time. So can we talk about you know, some of those things you, you talked about the books, where do you spend your money? So, you know, do you to get things prepared, I'm talking about, do you build out that brand? Do you put money into a bookkeeper or an accountant? Or how do you do this? Yeah, so I, I mean, it, it depends on when you want to exit as well, mm -hmm. right? So 
if you want to it in three years, it's a different story than in the next six months. Um, but thinking like uh, for the listeners that we have on, I assume most of them are going to exit in the next 12 months or, or beyond that. Um, so the first thing, so I'll give maybe one example. So I talked to this, um, this seller the other day, he's selling um, Bluetooth headphones. And, uh, and I asked him, okay, what's the plan? How are you going to scale this brand? He wants to exit in like three years. And he showed me the next seven new products and they're all Bluetooth headphones. And I said, well, that's great. And that's going to get you maybe another 50K a month in sales overall. But that's not a brand. If you only have Bluetooth headphones, that's not something that's going to be attractive to a lot of buyers. It's electronic. You need, uh, there are new developments, new improvements all the time. You're competing with the biggest brands in the world yep. uh, selling it. So it's not a stable brand. And he's all about like gym and fitness. And that's how he branded his products, which works really well for him. And I'm like, why not launch a fitness product or something that works for the gym on top of like the headphones that you have? So if he would launch one, two or three of those products, which will generate another 30, 50K a month each, then the brand has legs. Then that's interesting for the buyers because then they see stability. The brands that I know that sold for the lowest multiple are brands that have mainly one product right. doing, let's say, over 90% of the revenue. Those are usually very difficult uh, to get a higher multiple for. I believe any brand can sell. The question is for how much, right? So um, that's, that's one of the things that is not, I think, discussed enough. The other thing I think that is not you're not doing as a seller is you're not kind of opening up uh, on what you're doing overall with your business, with your friends or consultants or like friends in the industry. What I mean by that is, let's say I, I have my business, let's say it's done seven figures and I'm doing well and I hire a PPC consultant, right? And they help me with my PPC. Then I hire a listing optimization consultant. They help me there. The issue is that you don't have one consultant taking a holistic view of what's going on in your brand. They don't have like the entire entire picture. And um, and I think that's really missing. And if you had, a, again, if you had a small mastermind of sellers helping you out or you had a consultant that understands like the full picture or like a, a bigger seller than you, all of those things can really help to understand where you should put your focus on and your money, right? And your resources, uh, to to make the best of it. Yeah, I you know I uh, I agree hundred percent with what you're saying. I, I've seen and I've I've spoken with a lot of uh, people who they're crossing. I call it crossing the chasm. Uh, it was a book. Uh, oh, Jeffrey, what's his last name? I forget. Crossing a chasm is an awesome book, by the way. But it's just you know all of a sudden you're you're hit with all these tasks and how do you do it? And then you're not good at it. So you might be, you might have taken, you know, freedom ticket and it gives you all this information, great information. Now you have it at your fingertips, but you're not good at Amazon, driving external traffic or you're not good at uh, maybe PPC. So you start to take a look and you hire somebody over here. You hire somebody over there. Now you got four or five people in your, your seller's account. Because the one good agency might have been a half a percentage or one percent more, it never understood. Like I, I just don't understand, you know, why people so, wouldn't allow that agency yeah. just to take care of everything. What are you, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I can I can tell a short story about this. So I think it was 2017, somewhere around there. 
I started hiring people because I, I saw, oh, okay, I'm almost, I'm almost at seven, I think it was, yeah, in seven figures at that point, um, or even, bef- sorry, in 2016, I started hiring people uh, for my team. And the what I've done is I hired someone for customer support, then someone for PPC, then someone like, I had, I basically did like patches, you know, I just hired people for like one specific thing. I had 12 people on my team, all reporting to me, some of them with experience, some of them without, some of them part-time, some full-time. And it was worse than doing everything on my own. <laughs> like a much worse situation. What I found out, uh, and as a result of that, I almost like uh, burnt out um, um, from it. And I decided to let everyone go and start fresh from scratch while running a seven-figure business. And I talk about all of this in my book and the new structure. But uh, in short, I will say that I realized that I need to treat my business similar to a startup. Because if you think about... Amazon or Apple or I don't Tesla, I don't care what company, all of those CEOs had two, three, four core people around them, helping them to build those massive companies. If you look at any startup that starts, yeah, it's never like one person. It's always like a, a core team of people building it out together. So Amazon, if you think about like the way I structured my team the second time, is I hired someone um, for like customer support, but I told them during the interview that I'm looking for a management role in the business. So they started in customer support, then they learned product research, then they learned um, talking to uh, photographers, graphic designers, copywriters, then they did some social media posts for me. So they did all of the creative work in the business and when it became too much work for them, I promoted them to become a manager and then they, we started delegating underneath them and high people underneath them. So what's missing for most sellers is that middle tier, that management level, right. have that core team around them, like two, three uh, managers and then the rest can be underneath them and once you have that then it's really that can really free up your time that can really give you the freedom that you expect to have uh, from this business I always say that uh, if you are in this business or most entrepreneurs right work a lot harder than they did when they had a day job um, and that's okay like I still work obviously a lot of hours but I still enjoy my afternoons with my kids every day um, besides for maybe one hour today because of this <laughs> You know, uh, same sort of philosophy. I used to be a day trader and, uh, you know, I thought, oh, it'd be nice and easy. A couple hours here, a couple hours there. It was hard work. It was really hard work. And, uh, you know, that, that I, I lasted about a year and a half out doing that. And that was it. It was just too much. But uh, same thing here. I'm just curious. You said that you had four key people. What were the four key uh, Yeah. So. Uh, I said as an example, I have two key people. So I have two managers, one that is responsible for the analytic stuff in the business and one for the creative stuff. And underneath them, I have five more. So it's a team of seven people total. Now, the way I wanted to build my business, and I consulted aggregators and I consulted uh, a few eight-figure sellers with like, or even uh, low nine-figure sellers with like over 100 employees on their teams and whatever. So that's not what I wanted. Right. I think when you grow to that level, there is a big sacrifice that you make in the process. So the question is, what do you want? How much money do you need? What are like, how much uh, do you need to actually be free? Right. So um, to me, I just wanted to have a simple business to simplify my life and not to overcomplicate things uh, too much. So that's why I decided to do like a, a very lean team, but very effective team. And even the products we go for, we even think like, how are we going to deal with like a lot of customer support? Is this product going to drop to four stars very quickly? 
Um, and if those are the cases, we're not going to go for that product. We try to keep it as simple as we can. Uh, it doesn't mean we don't go after more challenging products. That's exactly the strategy that we take. I think more so is one of the mistakes that they make is they go after um, $15 to $60 products, cheap, um, you know, one, one piece, uh, easy to ship, easy to source, and so on. What we do is the opposite. We go after products that no one else wants to touch. So we will go after either very expensive or very cheap or complex or heavy stuff that no one really wants to uh, source, right? Or maybe it's difficult to source. Maybe we cannot find a supplier on Alibaba very easily. That's good. That's a good sign because that means we can dig deeper, source that product that no one else can find, and then bring it to Amazon. And we won't have like 15 new competitors by the time we launch it. So those are the things that we are we are doing. And then um, and we don't need to launch that many products a year to really scale. We can launch just a few products a year, but we aim for uh, 30, 50k a month products and more. Um, and that way we don't need to launch like, I don't know, 20, 20 products a month or five products a month um, because we just go after much bigger fish. I was, uh, I'm not sure if it was BDSS this year, but I was talking to a seller recently uh, who was, they, they were, they were advanced. They had millions in sales. Uh, and I was talking just about what we were talking about today. Just always curious about getting set up for selling, uh, selling the business. And when they bring in somebody, how much are they expected? Like, I'm just trying to phrase this properly. At what point do you bring in somebody else? And it just went down different rabbit holes. But at the end of the day, he said, I like when I have, if I'm a, if I'm a million dollar seller and I decide at that point that I'm going to bring on somebody, I've already made the decision that that person has to bring me another million dollars in sales before I'm going to go and hire another person. So mm -hmm. it's completely different than what I've, I've done. And it sounds like it's probably different than you're doing, but he's saying I give a, if, and he had four people, I believe. So they were responsible uh, basically, the ROI of the company was depending on these four people that each of the four people uh, would have brought in. Not, not that they're bringing in, but they could grow their company another million and a half with having these people on board. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's, that's, that's very interesting. I understand, but I think it's difficult. You know, if the person is not responsible for PPC, which is easy to measure, how do you measure, yeah. right? If they're responsible for product research and development, you can also measure that. But if they're, if they're responsible for social media or they're responsible for customer support or talking to or, or doing all the creative work in terms of photography, copywriting, you cannot really measure that. Um, what I will say is that my belief is, again, if you think about a startup, um, I think a lot of sellers will think I need to get to 50K a month or 100K a month to start hiring people. But actually, in most cases, for most sellers, it's going to be reversed. They actually need to start hiring people so they could get to that level. They have to free up the day-to-day. -day. You cannot really do micro-macro all day long. What I mean by that is you cannot do uh, adjust bids for PPC yourself, answer customer questions, and then think about your next product idea. Right. You cannot do that. That's not. You cannot zoom in and zoom out of your business all the time. You have to, um, as soon as you can, automate, systemize your day-to-day, -day, and then you can work on the other things. I know, Norm, you mentioned years ago, uh, think of the thousand dollar an hour tasks, right? Yep. So that's exactly it. That's exactly what um, these cells should be thinking about. And a thousand dollar an hour task is find the next product, right? Develop that next product. And that's what sellers like, actually. 
uh, that's what they're good at. So um, keep all of the operation side, the boring stuff, supply chain, PPC, KPIs, like changing your prices and uh, coupons and all of that. Keep that, either outsource that to like agencies that are the best out there or do it in-house. But uh, then you can really focus on like product ideation until you launch. That's where sellers shine, I think. Yeah, uh, that's that's a really great point. When when you're doing and if you're if you're not hiring any like everybody or or the right people at the start, because some people do this as a side hustle. I'll try to breathe next time. Some people do this as a side hustle, and you know they they don't want to go in and hire all these people. But for those of us who may have taken this course or have heard about either e-commerce, Amazon, uh, doing your own Shopify, and, and you're excited and you want to you know jump in with two feet, hundred percent. If if you want to grow a company, well, you have to be thinking about growing that company and not worrying about answering an email, you know, so, or yeah. you know, those types yeah. of tasks. I, I think it's about freedom at the end of it. And what freedom do you want? So there was one seller I consulted for. He um, scaled his business to low eight figures, doing everything by himself with one customer support employee. One of the sharpest minds I've seen in the in the game. A very smart seller. He told me, look, I worked in high tech companies before. I managed dozens of people. I went into this business because I didn't want to manage anyone. You know, yep. that's why he did this. And I, I get it. You know, I told him, I don't want to do PPC. I don't want to create shipments for myself. I don't want to touch anything. I'd rather have a team do it and manage them. And it's just a different approach. There is no right or wrong, but you have to choose what it is that you're willing to do down the line. Like right. not tomorrow morning, but a year, two years from now, what do you still want to be doing in the business if it's not exiting that business yet? And if you are planning to exit, um, you're probably going to start another one anyway. So uh, you should build towards that. Yeah, very good. So just listeners, any listeners having any questions, uh, just throw them in the comments section. And if you're scaling your business, let us know how it's going. If you have questions about scaling your business, love to hear about it. Um, also, we have a giveaway today on the Wheel of Kelsey. Um, I'm going to say it because I forgot the last two podcasts to say it. After... Tomar talks about it. Hashtag Wheel of Kelsey. Tag two people and get an extra entry. All right. What is this awesome giveaway today? Yeah, so I've done a lot of uh, consulting for sellers over the years. Uh, we did the math. I mean, my team, it's probably over a thousand uh, one-hour sessions that I've done. Um, and it was always free. I never charge anything for those. Uh, just trying to help sellers out and getting to know more, se more sellers. And I uh, stopped um, advertising it or publishing it, but uh, I still do that from time to time. I try to get a few of those a month at least. So I'm uh, here to give away one hour of my time to to the winner, basically. Okay. All right. Very good. So if you'd like to talk to, and I'm telling you, Tomar is in demand. Uh, he is speaking at you know all the major uh, uh, events that are out there. A lot of it. Uh, virtual summits. You probably already know them, but uh, if you like to enter hashtag wheel of Kelsey and tag two people and you will get a second entry. Okay. So before we move forward, uh, Kelsey, can you hit the new sponsor? A big thank you to our sponsor post purchase pro the only complete A to Z done for you, real email and text 
marketing service built specifically for Amazon sellers. My friends Sean Hart and Seth Stevens co-founded Post Purchase Pro after launching over a thousand successful private labeled products, growing 53 brands, and get this, exiting 17 businesses. Post Purchase Pro creates all of your digital assets 100% for you from marketing inserts, complete sales funnels, email follow-up sequences, and weekly email promotions. They manage and optimize everything for you to drive more sales, get higher ranking, and receive more reviews on Amazon. So check out Post Purchase Pro now to see if you too will see enormous growth like their nearly 500 clients worldwide. That's Post Purchase Pro at postpurchasepro.com slash lunch. All right, so we just wanna touch back on what we were just talking about a second ago with um, uh, VAs, contractors, and then we'll move on to some other questions. But the cost, how much are you paying? And if it's a ballpark, like what what are you looking at, Tomar? So again, I think it, it depends. So uh, again, it's easiest to give examples from sales who I consulted, right? So there was yep. one seller uh, working too many hours a day, tried to delegate a bunch of time to the Philippines, which is what I did. Mm -hmm. I think I'm very good. My best skill is I, I can simplify things uh, very well. So I can educate people on exactly how I want them to do it. So what I did is I hired blank, blank slate people to work for me in the Philippines. Okay. That's not the case with him. He is very creative. He's not analytic at all. So I told him, look, you need someone like me. That's like the first hire that you need. Someone who is very, very systemized, organized, and that person can help you build all of the SOPs, the systems that you need to have in place. So I told him, try hiring locally. Like you don't need someone with a lot of experience or anything. Just hire someone who is sharp, intelligent, that can be like a college graduate, that can be like um, someone who retired recently, like whatever, whatever it is, right? It doesn't really matter, but that's really what you need uh, starting out because he already had pretty much everything figured out in his business. It's not like he's uh, struggling to know how to do something. He just needs help. So that's what he ended up doing. And he ended up hiring two people locally and those two people then helped him build out the team in the Philippines and then outsource the rest. So for those two people, he might be paying more. He might be paying like, um, you know, $2,000 a month, $3,000 a month starting out. But uh, for the Philippines, he can then pay, you know, $600, $700, $800 a month. It just depends on, on positions and experience and the people that you find and so on. Um, but that, that is one approach that can, uh, that I tell many sellers is that the core team can definitely be local. And uh, if it, it might help you meet up with them, that's another freedom to discuss, right? Do you want to have an office space with yeah. your team there? Or do you want to work remote? Or do you want to work from your home? Or do you want to have an office just for yourself? And they, the team can come in. So, I mean, those are questions you need to ask yourself and then decide how your team and your life is going to look like. Because if everything you do is towards the exit and you will burn yourself out in the process, that's not a very good business model. Right. I mean, and the whole point of entrepreneurship is to live your life while growing your business. The fact that we have this like exit option right now, that uh, small exit point from this business, we don't know how long that's going to stay. Um, or maybe like a lot of it is getting more and more difficult now to exit your brand. A lot of the exiters stop buying businesses, but it doesn't matter, right? You need to structure your uh, business to fit your life and not vice versa. That's what I'll say. 
Yeah, no, you're you're hundred percent correct. Uh, when you're, if I I want to stay on with these aggregators and scaling, and if you're listening and you're saying, what does this have to do with anything? What is this? Uh, you know, getting an office or staying at home, getting people. It has everything to do with scaling your business. So there's a you know a lot of the times, you know, for for me for example. I can concentrate. I can focus. I mean, if you saw just, I need to be very visual to get things done. But when I do click on something and it's an appointment, everything's an appointment. Um, I make sure that that gets done. And then I like, just ask Kelsey. Uh, it's, it's crazy. Like I'm uh, my organization. Uh, people would probably go crazy just looking at it. But, uh, but anyways, this all has to do with growing, having that business. I've had the offices where I've had tons of people coming in and it was an open door policy and ton, I became a, a psychiatrist or a psychologist half the time. And I think pulling back, it was great for me because now we were dialing in, we could use Zoom. But I'll tell you, at the end of the day, for me, if I had the choice of reopening up an office with local people, like the core management and being able to depend on them. I've talked to my wife recently saying, maybe that's what I should do, but I really don't want to go back to the office. But it, you can be so much more efficient having that group around you and you know growing your business. Anyways, I, I'm going to just stop there with, with all this. Say, yeah, Norm, I completely agree with you. And I also don't really want to go to an office. We are now looking for like an office space where I live uh, for that specific reason. But the way I see it, it can, it can be both. You can mm -hmm. enjoy working from home and you can go to the office twice a week, right? It doesn't have to be like every right. day or all the time or nine to five or whatever. You still want to have the freedom, but you still want to have that one-on-one um, -on -one or one like on your team and just making sure everything gets done. Right, exactly. Okay, next question I have is about uh, what are Amazon sellers good at compared to aggregators? Yeah, so I, I touched on this before. I think Amazon sellers, they all launch products, right? And they all understand the process from research, sourcing, product development, launching the product, uh, which is getting more difficult now. But they understand that process from beginning to end very well. But after they launch their product, they don't really know how to run operations the right way. So they don't know how to manage their stock. They keep running out or overstocking. Uh, PPC is getting more and more complex. I think it's... Uh, now we're at a point where it's almost impossible to manage it uh, in-house with no outside tools or no outside agencies to support. And the third one is, again, KPIs, like knowing when to uh, raise the price, lower the price, test different main images, test titles. Now we can test um, bullet points, A plus kind of, you can test pretty much everything in your listing, but most sales are probably not doing that enough. You know, the uh, most sales, like uh, they start selling well, and then they don't want to touch the listing. They don't want to hurt anything. Right? Yeah, that is already working. So that that's a big uh, a big thing that's going on. Aggregators are the exact opposite. Aggregators are very good at the operation side. They know because that that is easy to manage at scale with very smart people on your team. Product development on the other end is very difficult for them. A lot like a lot of the aggregators um, early on were just acquiring businesses and letting the seller go on day one. Right, like a seven-figure seller, they let them go. At that moment, they did that. They said the brand stopped launching new products. 
And if you think about any business out there, it doesn't matter what business it is, every single business is launching new products. Doesn't matter if it's Apple or if it's Tesla or if it's McDonald's, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what it is. They always launch new products because a new product launch is scaling up and then it starts to plateau slowly after that. So I, what I tell sales as well is you have to keep launching new products. Doesn't matter right. if it's variation, completely new products, or if you want to go to new markets, if that's what you want to do, but you have to keep growing because if you don't grow, you just plateau over time. And we are in a very competitive market, as we all know. It's not getting any easier. You have new players coming in all the time. Um, so you have to do that. And aggregators, I think now, a lot of them are realizing that they have, the, they have to keep the knowledge um, and the ambition with them. One of the aggregators, and I won't mention this, they consulted for, uh, it was a Friday, and I told one of their uh, brand managers, said, hey, the, li the listing just got suspended. He said, oh, I'll fix it on Monday. You know, so, I mean, that's uh, because it's not their business, right? It's yeah. like a job that they have for a lot of them. Again, I think that's uh, changed a lot uh, over time. And uh, aggregators, you know, some of them collapsed already. Some of them are doing uh, amazingly well. So uh, what I'm saying is I think uh, what, what will help sellers is if they become much better operators. So I don't know when was the last time. I'll just give some examples, right? So what I'm doing now, I'm helping sellers scale their business towards an exit and they get a bit of equity once they do. So one of the things, for example, that we did recently with a seller that signed up, I don't know, two months ago, he was working with the same freight forwarder for the past five years, right? So no questions asked from the prices he's getting. We just took like three different quotes and we saw he can save thousands of dollars a year just like over $10,000 a year, just by switching a freight forwarder, mm -hmm. right? Someone else. Um, and uh, we checked uh, suppliers, right? As soon as we kind of took over, we just checked suppliers and saw, we just cross-checked like different suppliers, what can be done? We saved a dollar here, a dollar there. And that's a lot when he sells hundreds of units a day from his products. That's a lot of money that we save. And every dollar that you save in when you want to exit is has a multiple on it because right. a dollar is all earned, but then you put a three, four, five X multiple on it. That's a lot of money at the end of it. So uh, what the way sellers should think is that if you would buy your business today, what are the first thing you would do? So you would probably cross check everything, right? Like PPCA agencies, you will do audit with other agencies. You're not, you haven't tested yet. You will check freight forwarders, suppliers. You will do kind of uh, an audit on your entire business, even your best-selling products, when was the last time you thought about new variations to add? Or when was the last time you really checked all of the new competitors that came into the market to see all of the innovations they've done on top of what you have, right? So, I mean, there are so many things that are missed by sellers, and that's what aggregators are doing every single day. Yeah, yeah, very good. One of the things I, I want to talk about, if you do have questions about exiting, and I don't care if it's something as simple as bookkeeping or SOPs or just some of the things that uh, that Tomer was talking about and you want him to expand on it, throw it in the comments section so we can get to those questions today. Um, and also, we've got one hour, one hour of a free consult with Tomer. He's not charging anything. Uh, it's hashtag Wheel of Kelsey and tag two people and you will get uh, a chance to win. All right, so next question is, oh, just a sec here. Um, I just I just took you off the screen, Tomar. I, I hope you're I hope you're back. I can't find just a sec. Gotta find you. 
Can you still see me? Yes, you can. Okay. Uh, let's talk about some of the mistakes that sellers make uh, as they are growing their business. Now, we already touched on VAs and, you know, the cost there, but are there anything else? Uh, in terms of mistakes? Yeah, mistakes that people make, just common mistakes as yeah. they're growing their business to exit. Yeah, so I made pretty much all of them, right? So I tried to expand to Shopify with one of my brands uh, very early on, spent over 100K on it, and it failed. I failed miserably with it, and I realized that it was the wrong brand. The brand was in mm -hmm. the, the baby category, cheap products, like 20 to $40 products for the most part. And baby category is just very difficult to build a brand, to be honest, because you, if you think about it, the audience that you're building it towards keeps changing. Yeah, uh, on you. So they cannot last for like 20, 30 years or whatever, like with uh, other brands. So anyway, like I, I would say that even if you are seven figures, maybe now is still not the time to go into like Shopify or even like expanding to Europe is another thing that I think a lot of sales are doing too early. I did, again, the same mistake. So um, the biggest sales that I know, Norman, you know, uh, a lot of the same people, eight, even nine figure sellers are 99% on Amazon. And the other thing I will say is that if you do expand to Europe or if you do go to Shopify and it doesn't work out, that can actually hurt when you want to sell your business because the aggregators, when they buy you out, they want to see potential of growth. If you have a business that is fully optimized already and you tried Europe and it failed, you tried Shopify and it failed, they're like, what are we going to do with it? We cannot, they only tried expanding. It doesn't make any sense. If you are fully optimized, you're in a listing, whatever, it doesn't make any sense for them to buy you out because when they pay you, let's say you want to sell for a Forex multiple, that means they're going to get their money back in four years if everything stays the same. But they don't buy you out to kind of get it back in four years. They want to get it back in two, right? To get it back in two, they have to scale it twice as much to get it back in, in two years. How are they going to do it? Do you show them? Do you keep like things on the table they can pick up and actually doing the business? So let's say you want to exit in three months. You can do everything I just said, check new suppliers, check whatever, uh, check new product expansion ideas, variations, and show all of that to the potential buyers. And then they will be very interested because you just show them like potential of growth. And all of that actually helps uh, to the multiple. They need to understand they can grow this business somewhere. If it looks like perfect and it's like too, too well uh, optimized, you, won't, you either won't get a high multiple or they just won't want to buy you out. Right. Yeah. There, and there's a, like, there's a bunch of little things that you can do too. I like uh, SOPs. Is it going to increase your multiple? Probably not. Uh, SOPs are just, it's on the silver platter. So if you have one business that's selling widget and another business selling a widget, um, the SOPs uh, just, allow the aggregator to come in and say, uh, this is going to be a lot easier for us to uh, get into and understand. So I, I don't know if it, I haven't seen multiples really increase with good SOPs, but uh, recently too, you, you were talking about Shopify, but Omnichannel, I talked to uh, aggregators years ago and they were just, it's on Amazon I don't care if it's on any other channel. Uh, you're going to get nothing. Like you're not going to get anything extra for that. Nowadays, things are changing around. And if you get onto multiple channels and if you're getting into retail, I mean, these are things that can, you know, can actually bring it 
they up can in on one in one specific uh, term. So it has to make money. It has mm-hmm. to be over 15-20-25% of your profit on those other channels. Otherwise, yeah. they don't care. Like Otherwise, it doesn't really matter. So before going in, you want to check, are my competitors there? Are they making any money off of those platforms, right? Um, you want to do the same due diligence you did on Amazon on those other platforms. Uh, one example, again, is the baby brand. If I want to expand a baby brand to Japan, those guys don't have any babies over there. So that probably doesn't make a lot of sense, right? So, but if you have a pet brand, that can probably do really well in Japan because they have more pets than they have kids. So right. it just depends on where your ideal customers are, right? Do they buy on Walmart? I, I don't know, right? You have to check and check your competitors. And wherever your competitors are, that's probably where the money is, right? Okay. So, Kels, let's get to some of the questions. Uh, let me see. From Connor, uh, how can I optimize my automatic PPC campaign? I've added a long list of ASINs to the negative targeting, but the budget is still being spent with little conversions. Yeah. So this I know this has nothing to do with the topic, but that's fine. Yeah, so <laughs> what what I will say, what I will say, Connor, is that is again, it's it's impossible to answer a PPC question without seeing the product, without knowing how many reviews you have without knowing anything about it. Because PPC is like the last thing you need to worry about. If you're overspending, maybe you have a terrible listing, maybe you have two reviews, maybe it can be a million different cases. So it's um, too too hard to, to say, um, but from just from the question, you need to um, work a bit more on your PPC uh, knowledge, I believe. Uh, because just negating um, ASIN is probably not enough. Uh, depending on how much you bid, and there are too many variables anyway in the question. So. Right. Okay. okay. Um, another one where should someone look to find a buyer for the Amazon business? Oh, good question. So, um, there are multiple websites that you can just kind of put your um, brand up there, and there are also uh, different um, brokers out there. And um, how is it called? I forgot the name of the. Uh, term. But anyway, there are different brokers out there that can connect you with potential buyers. And lastly, you can also reach out to aggregators directly. If you if you type in like Amazon aggregators on Google, you will see uh, a bunch of lists of aggregators. You can just email them and they all have like uh, send us your business and whatever. If you use any type of brokers or websites or whatever, you're going to pay probably between 5 to 10% of whatever you sell it for. Um, but usually uh, using those can be a good idea because uh, they can basically kind of auction your business out to a lot of potential buyers, which will um, justify their fee, right? And if they cannot sell your business, you don't pay them anything, so. Right, and uh, like I know over at Quiet Light, um, the guys over there are fantastic. Uh, Anyways, they'll come out, they'll check out your business. Right. They'll give you free advice, you know, how to grow your business. And then when it comes down to it, you know, they'll take it and, and like you said, kind of find the right buyer for you and yeah. they might have three or four different aggregators you know looking at it or other buyers you know, private equity right and just a and, shout out to joe valley uh from quiet light who wrote the book Exupreneur. that's a great book that um, that so- is that is one of the best books in the industry Exupreneur by uh joe yeah 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 so uh all right quick kelsey are there any other i know there were a few questions uh that uh, Irzam uh, wanted to talk about. Yeah, we can uh, 
jump into some of those. Uh, can you share some tips on how to get good rates from suppliers and what's the best method to talk with suppliers? Yeah, I can share one thing that we did recently with another seller who told me she saved over 10K uh, just by doing this one thing. So when we negotiate with suppliers, usually the case is you try to negotiate better terms. What I mean are to improve your cash flow, right? Because this is a very cash flow type business. So you try to pay them later, right? You tell them, I'll pay you 30% now and 70% 30 days after it gets to Amazon, for example, or 90 days after it starts selling or whatever it may be. Just try to get better and better terms. But once you are, once you want to sell your business and hopefully you have some cash or you can even take different loans, right, from companies like 8fig or get like different types of um, investments into your business or funding to your business, the game is different because what you do then is you optimize for profit. So what I've done is imagine I tell my supplier, hey, I'm going to pay you 70% now and 30% once the stock is good to go. Or I pay you 100% upfront, right? If it's a very good relationship with me and the supplier, give me 10% discount. Give me 15% discount for that. Then I optimize for profit and not for cash flow. And I tell the supplier, look, you're my partner. I want to help you out as well. I'm sure this is going to help you with your cash flow. So are you interested? Most of them will jump on the opportunity and just give you like 10% off. Uh, if you do that, especially if you even like plan out the entire year for them and tell them, I'm going to pay you 10% for the entire year, right, of stock. Or you can do so many things once you kind of show them six or 12 months ahead of time for your best selling products. And again, imagine that you save 10% and even you pay 10% interest of the loan you need to take. The, the amount that you save is profit. You multiply that by three, four, five X when you exit. And the interest that you pay is an add back. Add back basically means it doesn't come down to your bottom line when you exit. So, I mean, there are so many things you can do once you try to optimize for profit and not for just having cash in the company. So that's like right. one thing to be done when you negotiate with your suppliers. All right. Very good. Kelsey, are there any other questions today? Uh, no, I think we covered them. Perfect. So we're going to get close to the wheel of Kelsey, but before we do, or if you need a question answered and you can slip it in just in the next uh, minute or so. Uh, I just wanted to touch on uh, your book and how to get a hold of you, Tomer. The other thing here is hashtag Willa Kelsey will get you a one hour consult with Tomer directly. So it's just hashtag Willa Kelsey and tag two people and we will enter you into the, uh, into the draw today. Let's talk about your book. Yeah, thanks. So, uh, the book took me two years to complete the entire time during COVID. It's not another PDF file in the industry. It's like an actual book uh, sold on Amazon. If you type in my name or write the Amazon wave, that's the name of the book on Amazon. You will find it there. Um, launched two months ago. So very fresh. The book was written in a way that is always going to be true. So I only wrote like uh, complete uh, truths about this business. And then there is a lot of uh, more content in the back end. You can scan a QR code and you get a lot more content on my website. And I'm going to keep updating that with podcasts that I'm on or uh, live events that I'm speaking at or just a video I want to record and add more value. So all of that you get for free as well. And the way I do everything, everyone, is I just try to give as much value as I can. And then I work with a small amount of clients at the end of it. Uh, and again, I just take some equity when they exit or aggregators and I have equity in aggregators now or SaaS companies, stuff like that. So that's where I make my money on top of my own brands on Amazon. Okay, great. And how do people get a hold of you? 
So Facebook, LinkedIn is great as well. You can also go to jointopdog.com. That's the website where you can find more about uh, different services we have, including the summit that we do once a year. So that's where you can find us. Okay, great. All right. So let's have a quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll come back for the wheel. I want to give a quick shout out to an incredible group of sponsors who help keep our podcast running. The Lunch with Norm podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of the following sponsors. Post-Purchase Pro, Clear Ads, Goldstein Patent Law, Hona Worldwide, Netfluence.co, Video Telepathy, Startup Club, and Dragonfish Brand Management. I just want to let our sponsors know, you're awesome. Now let's get back to the show. Okay. Where is Kelsey? All right. Time for the wheel, Kelsey, and here we go. It's time for the wheel of Kelsey. All right. So we got pretty good odds today, and uh, we'll give this a shuffle. If you are the winner, please email me, k at lunchwithnorm.com, uh, to connect for the prize and uh here we go let's see who the winner is amy got it looks like amy. I think. congrats amy all right so thank you amy just contact me again that's k at lunchwithnorm.com and i'll uh reach out to you and go over the next steps and uh yeah that's it okay well tomer thanks for staying up and working with us today <laughs> yeah, very good to see you again, my friend. Yeah, and you too. Hopefully we see you at some event really soon. Yeah, yeah. All right. We'll see you later. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining in today. We really appreciate you spending your time uh, this Monday morning. Uh, anyway, uh, Kelsey, where are you? I'm here. Yes, thank you, everyone. Um, again, we do this podcast every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern time. So, Make sure you come back Wednesday. And uh, yeah, um, thanks again for all the questions and comments. And if you haven't yet, make sure you smash those like buttons. Give us a thumbs up if you're enjoying today's episode. Also, we have our Facebook group. That's Lunch with Norm, Amazon FBA, and E-Commerce Collective. We're going to be announcing some other big things happening. As you can see, I started putting up a, a little studio wall here. So we have... Uh, things up our sleeves that are coming together and uh, yeah, it should be fun. So make sure you join the group to get all those updates and announcements. And I think that's it. All right. So join us every Monday, Wednesday and Friday live Eastern standard time. And we have a community. We have a community of people that are constantly engaged. In fact, I think our Facebook group is what 70 or 80% engaged. Is that correct, Kels? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a huge group. And to have that many people talking and, and working with us, I mean, it's fantastic. Um, the engagement, some of it is business. Some of it's a little bit of fun, but it's awesome. So we could not do this podcast without you. We love having this great community. And we will see you on Wednesday. Lunch with the, lunch with the, lunch with the.